Welcome to StartupCTO.io, the podcast where Miles Mathias and Kevin Owaki interview engineering leaders about management, startups, and software, because your CS degree didn't teach you to lead. And now, StartupCTO.io. Startup Week episodes continue. This week's guest is Nick Cheever. Nick has 15 years of experience in product development and in technical leadership roles. He is uh, currently overseeing the DevOps, product, creative, and development groups at 10.4 Systems. In this episode, we talk about architecture, mentorship, and team growth. Enjoy! This week's episode is brought to you by Git Prime. Subjective measures like story points and tickets only tell part of the story of software development. Git Prime gives engineering managers the full picture with metrics and context on team productivity. So you can spot risk, identify waste, move faster, and advocate for your team with hard data instead of a narrative. Stop flying blind and start engineering with concrete data. Find out more at gitprime.com. Of a lot of the customers, and then anything that 
isn't that, or is, is mostly like internal tool based, will outsource as needed, but uh, it's a pretty, pretty uh, intense group of A players that we've got here in Boulder, so we keep that culture going as much as we can. That's awesome. How specifically do you try to keep that culture going? It's tough. Um, it's, it's really good where it is now. You know, we spend a lot of time, um, because we used, to, we used to support, you know, five products, um, all underneath kind of an overlapping code base, and having all those people work within that, having people come from different walks of life, um, and avoiding the inevitable, like stepping on each other's toes, um, when it comes to you know working on the same code base and timing of that stuff and, and being a startup and, and maybe starting with a smaller prototype and moving it into something better. Um, we've had our share of very debated uh, decisions around architecture, um, especially when you've got uh, a lot of talent and sometimes that talent comes with a lot of, I refer to it as the purist mentality, where there's there's the one way to do it, and that's the way that we're gonna implement it, regardless of any outside influences that have to do with customer requests, or, or from the other side of the camp, kind of that realist cowboy approach, where someone can roll in, fire off some code, and it technically achieves the goal that you're looking for, but it's gonna make some of the other people cringe, and, uh, now that we've got everybody, we spend a lot of time on making sure that everyone's a part of the process. There's no siloed work, there's no black box anymore. We'll do workshops on large architectural initiatives so that everybody understands exactly why we went that way and how we're implementing it. And then that lets everybody feel like they've got a piece of the pie when it comes to these types of things rather than uh, just being having a, a small group of developers and an architect come in and dump something on their, their plate and say, this is we're doing it and just learn it and deal with it. So friendly debates is a good way to put it. Uh, I think we all know what you're talking about. <laughs> Has making everyone in part of the decisions made it like lessened friendly debates, or is that has that made it a little more intense because people are more involved? It's it's actually helped quite a bit because you know one of the big issues you have is is you have especially with with um, you know people have been seen. The, the apps start from step one to where it is now, they've got a lot of historical info, and they may be making decisions knowing that uh, <coughs> lessons learned from the past is driving some of these decisions where a lot of the newer guys that have only been there for a year or two or three years don't necessarily have all that information, and, and without that, you know, it's tough to look at some of those decisions and feel like it's the right one. So by including everybody, it really has made a shift where more and more you're, you're seeing developers give other developers the benefit of the doubt and taking the time to follow up because they've, we've broken the pattern of just having the, that, that architectural change or refactor kind of just come out um, on its own without enough explanation. And now they're a part of that process and they're having little brown bags or, or sidebars just to make sure they're staying up to speed and that's, that's helped out um, that that uh, intense debates to be what I like to refer as, as collaborative conflict. We have enough people from each I side. I love the alliteration, it's great. <laughs> it's, you have enough people from each side of the conversation to find the middle ground that's, that's better in the long run and better in the short term rather than uh, a huge body of work that's, that's over-engineered or something that's just so hackish that gets dumped in there that it's not supportable. <laughs> I think that's. I think you touched on something really good. And engineers with a lot of experience sometimes have a hard time conveying, like, "Hey, I've done this before. Trust me." 
um, and it sounds like more touch points is really what helps them get the experience they have across. Yeah, yeah. So you got to balance that with with getting stuff done. Um, you know, because as as startup land goes, like the luxury of coming from some other experiences where you're coming from a big engineering place and you're able to deliberate on something for weeks and months, where deliberation in some cases is hours or a day or two days, you know, a week if you're lucky. Yeah. Well, one thing I wanted to ask you is about DevOps specifically. So, so you guys deal with shipments and freight. Yep. And so you're more than just like, hey, the server went down. Like <laughs> people can't find their stuff, which is like a whole nother level of DevOps. So it like is. how do you... What's your process? What do you guys worry sure. about? What are you working on? It's uh, it's it's constantly evolving. Um, you know, because we we when we started this, it was with the simplest intention of we had a prototype that was essentially here's a here's a SaaS product that visualizes um, a mobile app that we have that lets people uh, dispatch a driver and the drivers on the truck. We see where they are. It's, you know, they had a they coined the phrase we were trucking for a little bit for us. Until Uber actually came out with trucking, <laughs> bought Ollie. Yeah. Uh, so, so we had already trashed that, but it turned into um, having to manage. You know, we we process about uh, a million to two million messages a day um, where stuff is, and that's that's with like less than one percent adoption in the industry. Um, so for us, DevOps is a lot of monitoring. Uh, it's a lot of making sure the monitoring you have is useful and valuable, not just noise, because you can go down a lot of rabbit holes if something's not configured properly. Um, it's also leaning on services that are already out there that'll help you better maintain uptime. So one of the reasons we, we went all in with, with Microsoft Azure is because of the native redundancy, uh, native security that comes with it, where a lot of these companies need to have really high compliance because they've been burned in the past. Um, and then also, it, it, it in some places allows us to put in more automation and remove every component of a human having to touch something. Um, as soon as you can start remove those defect opportunities that, that flow through it, it makes it easier to let these DevOps guys have a life. You know, we've we've had DevOps engineers that are essentially twenty four seven on call between two people for the period of a month or two, which is not sustainable. People burn out, they get fried, yeah. they get frustrated. So, you know, we've implemented some stuff and jokingly said like, the things that we've implemented has essentially replaced the job of somebody, which is good because that somebody can then shift over and work on some of the other things that are important. So it's, it's, a, it's a lot of monitoring and it's, it's being, as with most DevOps, no one should see it but us when it's an issue. Um, if anyone else sees it, then, then uh, someone's not having a good day. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so, by the way, all these interviews will be on StartupCTO.io, a podcast that uh, Kevin Iwaki and I do. Um, so every interviewer we ask, we ask a couple of staple questions. So do you have any good engineering war stories? And curious uh, question from me personally. Because you ship Anheuser-Busch, have you ever had to show the police where someone's stolen beer from the truck and then tell them where the location is? Uh, yeah, so... <laughs> Asking for a friend. <laughs> so let's, let's, do, let's do part one. Uh, so as far as uh, war stories go, uh, you know, we've had a couple... Uh, 
you know, as I mentioned, like our, our main core product that, that really got traction and took off and is, is, is bringing us the business and, and making us push forward. It was built as a prototype and it was built by just a couple engineers, um, oddly enough, before Anheuser Busch. Um, and because it got traction so quickly, we didn't get to go back to that prototype, do lessons learned, build another one from scratch, understanding the audience that we were going to be, um, you know, using the tool. We essentially have, and still have to, we've built that one up and along the way you had to like periodically refactor stuff without totally dismissing the legacy side of it. So within that, there was some not the best front end decisions that were done with, with that application and it wasn't anything against the engineers. They built it for what we needed for, for the purpose of the prototype, but to get that into the next uh, kind of stage where it's enterprise, where it's lightweight, where it's sustainable. You know, we, we've had some very intense UI debates, um, and especially when you get some of the younger ones that see a new framework that's not burnt in, that's not standardized, but it's shiny. As we just had that our, event today, yeah. The, uh, <laughs> session this morning, and it's JavaScript, it's shiny, it's dangling keys. Um, you know, that's that's been a tough battle. It's taken it's taken a lot of. Uh, effort on the senior UI guys to really go in above and beyond and make the case and provide the documentation about why it's scalable and showing some of the metrics around it. So uh, we finally were able to cross that bridge and uh, we, we landed on one shiny object, which is React and Redis and Redux, but um, uh, I like it. Good. Uh, and then the second one, have, have we- You don't have to go into detail, no, no, yes no, or no. no. So, so this is an interesting <laughs> place because within this industry there is, I don't know if you guys know, but there's there's laws around how long truck drivers can drive. So they can only drive, at least in the US, is, is 11 hours in one day. So uh, with freight and, and with, with the way the industry has relationships, a lot of them are gonna get there, get there, get there. Uh, and if you break the law, I don't wanna know. Um, even though they shouldn't break the law. Uh, but technically, we can tell if they're breaking the law. So it's, it's been a, a very fine line for us we don't really want to know what their hours of service are, that's how many hours they have remaining to drive. Um, so in, in that kind of realm of it, uh, we have had situations where, uh, you know, Anheuser-Busch has, has been looking for where a truck is and they see that it's gone off route and uh, it can raise red flags. That's, that's one of the exceptions we show that, okay, this is, was on track, was ready to go and now they've fired off up to Oklahoma for no particular reason. So they actually called the driver, um, and uh, through a lengthy conversation, he was going to get fireworks. That excuse comes up a lot in the Midwest. It I does. Like <laughs> yeah. Yeah. A lot. So there was, Missouri knows what we're talking about. Yeah. Well, I mean, you got to get the good stuff. Uh, <laughs> That's right. But yeah, there's 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 a lot of we have a lawyer on retainer all the time for this because it's it's. Sensitive and it's tough knowing that we may have to get subpoenaed and pull historical data from four years ago. That's a whole other conversation about data warehousing. Yeah. So. Uh, what are your engineering values? Uh, so, big big proponent of, and I'm, and I'm glad that we've got it where we are, is, is it needs to have a family vibe. And family comes with the good and the bad, um, where people can get under other people's skin occasionally, um, but you want to, to work through that to kind of like harden those relationships up. Um, and it, it, you also need to have that 
older brother, middle brother, younger brother mentality so that people that are coming fresh into the organization have something to look up to, some mentorship. Um, and then the seniors, it's, 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 it's expected of them to, to continue to pass down that knowledge. So coming in and introducing something that's important to the architecture or uh, solving a, a algorithm that's, that's complex, making sure that they're empowering the rest of the development staff and understanding that, that those little tidbits can you know, pay off in, in huge dividends later down the line. Uh, that's, that's been something we've really had to work and, and it moving with family, you know, the only place you're safe is in the bathroom. So, uh, not even then, uh, well, yeah, <laughs> houses. But, uh, you know, it's, it, it is, it is tearing down some of those walls that people put up that they don't want to be social. They don't want to interact and you don't have to, but just giving them opportunities to usually continues to build those bonds together. And then you, then you can have that really intense team that can just tackle anything that a larger team typically wants to accomplish. Cool. And last question, speaking of being social, where can people find you online? So you can find me uh, on uh, LinkedIn. Obviously, I'm the only Nick Cheever in the West Coast. Uh, don't go East Coast. There's a lot of Cheevers out there. <laughs> um, and then we're also at uh, 10-4.com uh, if you ever want to hit us up. But uh, feel free to, to message me. I'm always peering in and looking for stuff. Awesome. Thank you, Nick. Thanks for listening. Find us at startupcto.io or on Twitter at startupctoio. If you enjoyed the show, please leave us a review on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. See you next episode.